Hey friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today, coming at you live from my at-home studio in my guest room, hoping we get back into our offices really, really soon. But I am thankful to still get to chat with y'all every week right here from my house. The music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Torin Wells. If you haven't grabbed his album, Citizen of Heaven, you should do that. Man, it's been so fun to see you guys picking out your favorite pieces from the Annie F. Downs store, the AFD store. Let's just call it what it is. From the AFD store at shopanniefdowns.com. I love seeing what you are grabbing. Make sure you go and check it out if you get a chance. I think you would love some of the stuff we have in there. Some fun t-shirts, some stuff for my mini BFFs. Of course, the Tuesday You Ain't Cute Tumblr and some other fun things we've created for you. And also just a reminder that we started a TSF quarantine bingo this morning. <laughs> you can also download the bingo board from the store today. That's shopanniefdowns.com. Today on the show is a dear friend, one of my favorite people. Y'all have probably known her and been friends with her for a while. Jen Hatmaker is an author, an activist, profoundly talented speaker, and I just love how she runs her online life. We are similar in how much we love to cook. Y'all have seen, we both give recipes a little bit similarly online. Her new book, Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire, releases tomorrow. So here's my conversation with my friend, Jen Hatmaker. We should tell the world that we are recording this. In my normal podcasting life, I don't say this is when we record and this is when we release, but it just feels like the world is moving at such a clip. We have to tell the truth. Totally. Yeah, because whatever it is that you and I say right now in the next half an hour, we don't even know if it'll hold next week. You know, who knows? Who knows? Everything has a short shelf life. That's right. So we're recording March 31st. This will release on April 20th. So it's only two weeks, but... My gosh. Who, who knows? Know? Yeah, who can, who can know? know? Like who can know? I'm with you. I mean, can we just back up for like 5 years? <laughs> and like could you have ever I mean, I literally just spun out on Insta story because I did my count of how many days I've worn real pants. Oh, and yeah. I'm and I've been quarantined for a total of 18 days. And okay. all of a sudden just the number 18 sent me just right off the edge into a laughing spiral of what is this world that we live in? What is this, Jen Hatmaker? I mean, I don't have any answers. Like, <coughs> that's not the coronavirus. That's <laughs> Do you feel like you need to like constantly defend every time you sneeze? Oh, that's yes. Pollen, you guys. Everybody, relax. Even to myself, if my throat gets stretchy, I went to the post office and sat back in the car and was like, my throat feels different. <laughs> I got it. I contracted it. it. Yeah. Symptomatic. Yes. So, totally. Yeah. I I posted a video last night. Oh, I watched it. I watched your morning and your night. I needed yeah. us to talk about this. Yeah, just so you understand that I understand what you're saying right now. Like I just sat in the in an empty bathtub, fully clothed in my sweats and drank a glass of wine that was sitting on a garbage can. That's just how the day went. It was four 30. It's just how the day went. Uh, How? I mean, we were never meant to do this, right? That's just it. Like I keep thinking when my mean voice rises up, like moms everywhere, homeschool, like this is how people live their life on purpose. Like why Uh, is your malfunction? And why can't you just rise to the occasion? Like these people do like intentionally, but I'm like, you know what the thing is, 
for the rest of us, we just haven't structured our lives like that. So we don't have that infrastructure in place. We don't have those systems in place. We don't have those rhythms in place. And so it's like apples and oranges. You know, you're this big extrovert too. You're not meant to just be in your house for 18 days. What is this life? Yes. I mean, last night, and I find myself losing I can, I, I I don't have children that make my temper rise and fall like the rest of my friends. But last night when I was reading my, I read a kid's book at six Uh at night. And last night when I was reading it, this woman, someone said, this would be way easier if the, if we could see the words better, if the words weren't backwards. (laughs) And I was like, I wish you'd keep talking to me. I wish you'd say, and I just said, yeah, this is a one man show doing the best I can. You know, I was like, that to my face. That is how I felt. I was like, girl, I am, you are watching me read a book at 6 p.m. my time that isn't costing you a penny. I can't. I just just can't. can't. And I don't want to be her. I don't want to be her, but I I feel it rise up in me. It's John Mark Comer says all of our attachments are being displayed. And I'm like, yeah, Mm. I'm attached to control. Mm. I'm attached to normalcy. I'm attached to people. It's awful. I hate that. That hurts my feelings. You know, just having to really confront, it becomes pretty glaringly obvious. I, I see all my like pain points pretty clearly. Pretty yeah. clearly. I'm trying to be nice about it too. But, you know, like you just said a minute ago, we're not we're not built for this and we weren't prepared for this. So even if we could have had a six month lead time, like yeah. world, let's restructure our lives so that six months from now we can all be quarantined in a way where we don't lose our minds. We just right. it didn't happen like that. Like, can you even believe this? Like, let's see. I guess at this point it's 18 days ago, right? So right about the time you went to quarantine, I was in New York City. Like that yes. was three oh. weeks ago. Can you even believe yes. it? It's like another universe. And I remember right before I went, it was a work trip and my publicist was going with me and she called me. And it's like, just before she goes, no, you're, you're okay to go. Right. And I was like, yeah, like, of course, let's just, right. you know, be normal people and we'll wash our hands and, you know, we're not going to make out with everybody there and it's fine. And literally right. we were there for two days. And in those two days, the world was changing like once an hour. Like uh, it was yes. just a crazy disintegration, how fast it happened. And so, yeah, I just don't think any of us were really, really ready or really like deeply understood what this was going to look like. Yeah. I mean, we had a little warning from China and from it coming West, but I felt I, we certainly didn't feel like we had the warning of like, I remember watching what was happening in China and thinking, yeah. man, that looks really hard. Same. I never, I never one time thought I wonder what uh, that would feel like if that happened to us. Absolute same. And I thought it would be contained there. I don't know why I thought that, but I was like, well, that is a bummer for China. That's Big what bummer. I thought too, Jen. And yes. yet here we are, the entire globe. I mean, no no time in I was reading an article about um, how the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Israel is locked close. They lock it every night, but it's closed for an undetermined amount of time mm-hmm. for the first time since 1397. Oh my gosh, when the black play. Right. You just go like, oh, okay. That makes me feel a little bit more like the fact that my friends and I aren't communicating as well as I'd like us to. And and I am having a roller coaster of emotions every day. Oh, okay. That's okay. Because this hasn't (sighs) happened in 700 years. That's actually weirdly comforting. I know. (laughs) 
<laughs> like in the darkest possible way. How are you doing? Like, how are you feeling in your house by yourself? I mean that sincerely because I'm yeah. having the opposite experience of just a lot of human bodies. And yes. so I'm, that's how, really hard, feeling, right? How are you feeling? How am I feeling? Well, first I want to tell you, I want to hear how you're feeling too, because mm-hmm. both of our joys and sadnesses at the way we are living are true. Yes, and I right. sometimes feel like married people feel that they can't say to me that it's hard to be around people mm-hmm. or that parents feel that they can't say it's hard to have kids all the time because mm-hmm. they think it's worse to be alone. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure that it is, or they mm-hmm. think that I will rage against the machine. Sure. I can't promise you I won't, but right. it's fair. everything's on the table right now, Annie. Like, yeah, that's right. I feel like whatever comes out of our mouths is allowed. We all yeah, allow right. it. Uh-huh. We'll just apologize for days in <laughs> July. It. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it has been, there's been some great parts. I feel like people like you and I that have podcasts, that have yeah. online presence, that have this opportunity to speak into people's lives. I feel yeah. like this may be my finest hour mm. in some ways that I I was born for mm. the days where I got to tell people, look, I'm 15 days ahead of you and we're going to be okay. Mm. That's good. On the other side, I have never been so lonely and so like mm. desirous of physical touch. Totally. I just didn't know. I didn't know how much I hugged people. Oh and this gosh. is true for a lot of people because the only people, my parents aren't hugging. Yeah. And they live in the same house. You know, like right. not everybody, even people in homes aren't necessarily getting to hug. My stars. I was having Dr. Hillary McBride on the oh, show last week. Yeah. Do, you, do you follow I her at all? She's unbelievable. Oh, she's so her work gifted. on mothers and daughters is so sis. That I book can't. ripped my heart out. Like, yeah, uh, it, it incredibly informed my writing on that yeah. subject. And anyway, she's such a good teacher. She's such a good leader. She's such gentle and kind. But we were talking about this physical touch part of it on the show, and she was like, she was talking about people who live alone, and she said there's a lot of physiological, biological evidence that to, to some definitely lesser degree, but to at least some degree that you can literally trick your body into feeling comforted by like wrapping your own arms around your own self oh. and like rubbing your shoulder. Oh, like I'm doing it right now. Like rubbing yeah. your shoulders and like rubbing your arms and like rubbing your hands. And she's like, there's a lot of evidence that that sends a very similar signal. Like, Oh, look, look, you're loved. You're someone's touching you. Wow. If you're, it's you touching you. And yeah. I was like, well, you know what? That's helpful. That's just a random, helpful new thing I know. Yeah. That these are these are the days of having to hug ourselves. <laughs> yes. I know. It's real. It's so real. What is it like for you with people around all the time? Well, it's funny because I'm an introvert. And so I have and I'm married to an extrovert. And so I have all this empathy for like the the extrovert people who are just, I mean, blessed, crumbling, yeah, crumbling, yeah. and just dying for activity and people and motion and, and noise. And, and so nobody's winning, nobody, zero people are winning. And so at least for me, my office is outside. It's at, it's in our backyard in a separate building. And so that is some great separation. And I'm like you, I'm working yeah. right now a lot. Like there I'm working a, more than I work normally. Same. Absolute same. This is a moment to kind of rise to the occasion and yeah. lead well and connect well and just create these like new pathways for our communities for sure. But you know, I've got teenagers. And so what for me is the hardest is having to still manage not just a job, but an amped up job at that. And then them, 
like they're learning and they're, they're bummed out. You don't have two seniors here. I have a senior in college and a senior in high school in this house. So God bless Uh, them. You know, that sucks. It really, really does. And so many unmet expectations, so much disappointment and it's just coming out like it does. I mean, I was sitting in the bathtub last night. I get it. So I just think it's a lot of feelings to manage while we have absolutely no break from it all. No break yeah, from each other, yeah, yeah, yeah. no break from the monotony. I mean, like, you know, you'd wake up and you just go to your coffee maker again. You're like, well, hello, old friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> here we go again. I mean, yep. oh, Groundhog Day. Yeah. How do we, how do we break out of that? I just can't figure out. I mean, like I'm taking a Sabbath every week. So my Saturdays yeah. are different and church is live on Sunday. Yeah. And so but literally Monday through Friday have no variant. Sis, I am with you. And I'm a person who loves, I'm a homebody. So, I mean, I would normally choose to really anchor down in my regular life, but even me, I am like, I'd give anything just to see something else. Just anything Uh at all. Just, so I mean, are you doing this? I've just driven around some, just driven around. Just yeah. looked, in Texas right now, all the blue bonnets are out. Um, you yeah. know, that happens for about three or four weeks out of the entire year. So we'll just drive around and look at the blue bonnets. I don't know what we're doing. Uh, I know, some It's a little bit helpful to watch all the communities right now just double down on online connection, uh, specifically via video. So I feel like I'm getting to see more people right now than I normally do. I'm seeing their faces on a screen. I'm seeing them video a walk around the neighborhood. I'm not really sure what, but I feel like I'm getting to see a little bit more of the world virtually than we normally do. I mean, it is small comfort, I guess. What are you doing? Okay, so balance that because last night... Last night, now listen, neither of these things are bad. Okay. And neither of these things are bad for me. I just know in combination that there it's a little bit of a warning signal. Okay. But <laughs> last night I had some Oreos, which again, yeah. not sure. unhealthy in yeah. all the time. And I started Googling how to hike Machu Picchu. Oh gosh. Oh right? wow. Oh, so we need an intervention. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you now. I see it like placed next to each other. I see the danger. <laughs> It's just a big pile of escapism. But I'm wondering, like, when I look at, because I'm looking at on Instagram at pictures of Paris, because I really want to go to Paris. And is that okay? Or is it good for us to, when this gets over, when this gets finished, comma, I want to and start dreaming of that? Or do we need to stay right here? You know, I don't know. And I don't know if anybody knows. It's such a, it's a strange time to have the world, you know, kind of grind to a halt with still a pretty big question mark at the end of the sentence. You know, Uh we're just not sure how long is it going to last? What's it going to look like when we start emerging? What's that emerging season going to look like? Is it still pretty cautious? Is this all summer? I just, I don't know, but I will tell you that I am not going to ever be a fan of squashing down a impending dream. I mean, even if it's a year Ah. from now, you know, I think that to me mentally, emotionally, it's like a little hope talisman, you know, like here, look at this little shiny thing. This is going to be a possibility. Maybe not in July. I don't know, maybe not in September, but this is still going to be a possibility. I mean, our, our most steady handed, cool heads in the room right now, our leading experts are all saying this will end. You know, it will, 
And so, yeah, you're right. That's a great point. No one's going like, buckle up. This is your life. Nobody, nobody. It will end. And so I love looking at Paris. Now I'm not looking up Montepichu. Like I got, I have limits, but I think that's when you know, that's when you know, an outdoor hiking, camping, I'm out, I'm off the rails. Now, if I was just looking at beautiful resorts, that's probably just a Tuesday. But, <laughs> totally. but when I'm talking about being outside and hiking, no plus Oreos. I mean, could anything counteract each other better than I'm that? I'm so tickled. Get out of here. Like last night, I told you I had a bad day yesterday. So your your combo Oreos hiking, my combo bathtub wine on a garbage can, and bathtub fully closed. People. Yeah, I mean, that's the difference. Fully closed, and I would to bed just a couple hours later. I'm like, this is, we need to just retire this day. And uh-huh. right before I went to bed, I decided that a really good decision was to get this enormously thick slice of white bread and slather it with butter and then eat it yeah. and go to bed. And I'm like, yeah. why not? That feels smart. I want to. Did you see Pioneer Woman make cinnamon toast yesterday? No, did oh, she? my gosh. It looks, she, she, her, the word she used was putting on more butter than you think you should. I mean, oh, she had yeah. it lathered on there. And I was like, this girl does it right. Okay. Yeah. We can trust her. We can trust her. her. You know, (laughs) are you finding that in this weird season that there are people you go at, you know what? I always knew I could trust her. I I find what I am really drawn to right now because there's no end of uh, advice or, you know, small speeches that are now being broadcast online, you know, which is great. But I find that I am not drawn to the leadership that is kind of like, we are just going to dominate this quarantine. And this is a good time to like get in shape and we're going to help our kids skip a grade, you know, like- I understand the impulse. I really do because I'm an Enneagram three. So of course I understand the do more mentality, but I find that that is like making the will to live just drain right out of my ears. And so I feel very drawn to the leadership right now that is both encouraging in a gentle way and also really human. I'm looking for the humans right now because I understand you know, in leadership, it we do feel compelled a lot of times to to offer the shiniest version of what's happening. Um, the yes. shiniest Especially version, Especially Christian leadership. Oh, the come end on. is always supposed to be. But then I like went and prayed. Yeah, and everything felt better. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then I just realized, you know what? God's in control, and right. you know what He is. Look, He is. Uh, yeah, like here, here. But I don't find that comforting right now. These sort of tropes or yeah. these sort of trite spiritual responses that just put an effective end to somebody having a challenging conversation or a difficult day. And so yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm wanting us all to have permission, even in leadership of being a real human people inside of this. That to me is comforting that yeah. I am not trying to emulate this idealistic experience that I know that person isn't even having. I know they're yes. not. Like yes. I know it for a living fact. And yes. so while I think the the impulse there is to just constantly like raise everybody up, we can, you know, let's encourage. That's, let's that's like, my impulse too is to be like, it's embarrassing to show when it feels embarrassing to me to say, I'm pissed today or I'm yeah. sad today. Or, you know, like, yeah. I don't know why that is. Everybody knows I'm a human. Sure. But I have to, those days are a lot. 
I have to go, you better tell the truth on Insta story today because they should know, you know, but it's hard. It is hard. And especially when like from you, from even me to some degree, our communities are fairly accustomed. We've conditioned them to expect a lot, a pretty high degree of positivity from us, which is great. I love, that's our real personality. That's not fake. That is sincerely kind of how we move around this world. Um, But I think what I notice is it's just that Brene Brown stuff that, that like, attractive vulnerability, which is when it's sincere and it's not performative. Do you know what I mean? You know, the difference Um, when it's not performative vulnerability, but it's just real. It's all, it's its own brand of comfort. And I think we need that too. We need to be able to signal to one another that we are going to have some real good days and some real bad days in here. And it doesn't mean any of us are doing it wrong. More than any yes. of us are doing it more right. It just yes. means that these are unprecedented days and we're just going to kind of do the best we can. Yes. And I, the permission, if the permission doesn't come from the people we look up to, like my fr- even and like when I think of some of my friends who are musicians or pastors yeah. or other authors and podcasters, I'm going like, if they don't give me permission that I can have a bad day ev- at some point every day, yep. then what is that? Does that mean I'm doing this wrong? And, and there, how in the world could anyone do this right or wrong when there has been no precedent? Absolutely. <laughs> there are no rules. <laughs> That's a hundred percent it. Like uh, we're, we're trying to apply some metric to this <laughs> moment that doesn't exist. You know, right. and so we don't have our grandmas to tell us, well, this is how we survived it the last time this happened, you know, yeah. or even a book. Yeah, no, exactly. And and I'm not being Christianese. Besides the Bible, there isn't a book that has lasted long enough to give us any hope in this. That's it. That's it. So what are you saying to God? What does your time with God look like in these days that without without understanding? I am so like, in my stillest moments, I'm so worried about people. Like the hat makers are going to be okay. Um, We're going to fall uphill on this because we are just literally so soaked. We're like drowning in privilege. And the, our work um, is only minimally compromised um, right. by this. It is compromised for sure. My whole spring was canceled, same as yours, but we're going to, it'll recover. It'll rebound. But I am so worried about the hourly wage workers and yeah. all the restaurants shut down and their staff. I'm worried about their owners. Cause we're, I'm you and I are both kind of like small business owners too. And we have staff yeah. to pay. And I'm just, I, I, and it's not so, the same as a restaurant. No, I don't not. feel like mine is not the same as a restaurant. No, it's not. And, and those workers, most of them don't have a safety net underneath them. And of course yeah. the list is a thousand times long. I'm worried about the healthcare workers right now in harm's way, literally every day, and then coming home to their families. And so I think what I am managing to like eke out to God right now is like, God, you've got to like protect the vulnerable people in our communities right now and financially and emotionally and spiritually with their health, their families, just all the, I was watching the news this morning with the people who are in hospitals right now and nobody can be with them, not their family members. They're alone in the ICU. They're alone in their hospital rooms. And I'm like, this is just terrible. I mean, this is just terrible. And so I think I'm worried right now about our collective recovery in every way and what it's going to look like and how much harder it's going to be for some people. And I think that's what I'm asking God for right now is favor or grace. I don't really know what the, I don't know what the words are, to be honest. Yeah. 
And why is it important? Why is it important to pray for other people even when we're in pain? Yeah, I mean, that's a question for the ages, really. That's not even just encapsulated in this moment. But I have always found that praying for other people has a real strange boomerang effect on my own my own grace, on my own sense of empathy, on my own um, desire to be a good neighbor, all these things that are real high priorities to Jesus. You know, he was real clear about all that. Um, That is how he wants us to operate on this earth. And so there's to some degree, I build those muscles in my life by doing things, by serving, like, but prayer does it in this real inner way. You know, prayer is this yeah. internal work that has a real similar result of just making me love my neighbor more. And so, you know, if it if it brings me more, I mean, it's why you can't pray for dudes you have crushes on ad nauseum <laughs> because it actually ties your heart closer. Oh my right? god! I never thought about that. Oh my gosh, oh, it's something you have to be so careful about because if you just spend all this time praying, praying for people, it actually is a spiritual act of drawing you towards oh, wow. sympathy for them and love for them. And so if you're forever praying for the guy or girl you have a crush on, you're going to be connected emotionally. That is a wonderful warning. Um, <laughs> hilariously received. I will tell you though, you are not wrong. I um, had a season about 12 or 13 years ago where I had been so hurt by somebody. I mean, absolutely heartbroken, crushed, like the kind that takes three years to recover from. And it it went from devastation to, to fury, which is how that goes unchecked. You know, it'll just grow a root and then just spread. And I mean, so I was like lost in pain and anger. And I just didn't want to live like that anymore. I'd been too long. I was in year three of it. I'm like, is this my, is this a life sentence? Yeah. Um, golly. And of course the antidote was prayer. And I'm so, was so mad about that. Like really? I remember praying, like, I just, why can't I, why can't I kick this? And this real clear spiritual sense, like what I want you to do is pray for that person every day. And I'm like, I will oh, not, gross. I yes. will not. Um, you will not make me, I don't want to, and I shan't. Um, and so like my original prayers for that person were so, they were pretty thin, like God may this person live today. May that person like not get in a car wreck. That's what I'm asking you for. I mean, that is, if that is the best we can say, at least we, yeah, I think that's beautiful. That's where it started, but you know how it works. Like just that consistent practice, it connected me to that person. And I began thinking of him in a way that was generous and charitable and deeper, like thinking of that person as a kid, what I knew of it, what I knew of that experience. And and I'll tell you, if I didn't stay my hand at that work long enough to f- wake up one day and realize I was absolutely free of anger, like free of it all. Wow. So wow. you're right. So, but anyway, the moral of the story is don't pray for your future boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just give it a little bit of time. You can say his name to the Lord, but an hour a day on your face for the guy you have a crush on is not going to, not going to help do you. It. Don't do it. <laughs> Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation with Jen to tell you about our friends at the Abide app. If the first thing you do when you wake up is look at your phone, then let's try this. Instead of checking social media or looking at the news, 
Open the Abide app and start your day in the spirit and the peace of Christ. Abide is the number one Christian meditation app and Abide users report less stress, lower levels of anxiety and depression, and better sleep. Start your day with Abide's daily meditation based on biblical scripture. These audio meditations will center you and draw you closer to Christ. For a limited time, my friends get 25% off a premium subscription when you visit abide.co slash sounds fun. Abide's meditations start at about two minutes long. They're easy to fit into your schedule and they feature topics like overcoming anxiety or managing stress, addiction and recovery, finding forgiveness and more. And at the end of the day, I love this feature. At the end of the day, you can listen to Abide's bedtime stories and they're based on the Bible. They're great for kids or adults. It's for us and our mini BFFs. It's great. So join the millions of people using Abide. Get started now with 25% off a premium subscription by downloading the Abide app at abide.co slash sounds fun. You'll get additional stories and meditations, premium music, soothing sounds, and more. You support this show and get 25% off by going to abide.co slash sounds fun. That's A-B-I-D-E dot co slash sounds fun to download the abide app and get 25% off your premium subscription. And now back to the show. I hate when people do that thing of like, well, because the doctors and nurses, then I can't be sad. Yeah, well, that's totally. not true. Yeah. I can be sad, but also right. my gosh, what doctors and nurses are experiencing right now yes. is beyond what they knew signing up to be a nurse totally. in an ICU. My friend Kristen calls that the hardship Olympics. And she's like, let's, uh-huh. not, let's not become competitors in the hardship yes. Olympics because there's yes. really no winner there. And, you know, it's no less disappointing for an eighth grade girl who's not getting to perform in her play you know, that she's been working on for three months. And so I I really commend everyone who's doing that deep work of not participating in the hardship Olympics and poo-pooing people's disappointment or their sadness or their fear. It just all gets to, it all gets to be experienced and it also all gets to be expressed. To me, that is a real um, salve to a wound, which is just being able to say it out loud and have other like good human people come around and say, you know what? That is hard. And I am really sorry. And that is disappointing. Boom. Just like that, it loses some power. But when somebody sort of comes into that space and says, well, you know what? It could be worse. You could be a doctor. You know, it just, it's so shame-based. It's so, it uses shame as this lever. And that just, to my knowledge, has really never worked. Shame's not a super great tool. Um, I hate it so much. So much. So I just say, let's just quit doing that. Um, And let's just kind of be with each other in our pain, whatever it looks like at whatever level and at whatever moment, because mine comes and goes like, I'm, I'm like you, I'm coming in and out of like, you know what today I feel like being funny girl, you know, Uh I'm going to be a funny girl and I mean it. And then the next day I'm in a bathtub. So I just, we got to have a lot of grace for each other right now. I mean, I was both of those people yesterday. (laughs) Right. I was totally, I was having a baller day until I had to go to my office to get a chair to sit in, in my new home studio yes, and it spun me out. And I, and, Mm. and there's a version of me that would have gone like, Annie, pull it back together. And I was like, you know what, sister, you don't have to pull it back together this time. Mm. And Oreos and Machu Picchu and you're fine. And we'll do Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. Tomorrow's a new day. 
I love That's it. Right. It's one of my, one of the things Brene Brown has gifted so many of us with, and you do this with your work too, Jen, of, of just going like, Hey, we've all been listening to shame far too long. Mm. So I'm not even going to tell you, you can't listen to it. I'm just going to tell you name what you're listening to. Mm. Yeah, totally. You know? Even her just teaching me the language of that thing you're actually hearing is shame, not corrective Southern Christianity. Right. You need to listen and, and at least call it what it is. At least say you're listening to shame if you're going to listen to shame. It's a real eye opener. And once you can develop eyes for it, once you, because honestly, we were, you and I were both conditioned to see that as um, conviction, to see yeah. that as instruction, yep. to see it as correction. You know, it, it it's very insidious, the masks it wears. So once we learn to recognize shame, and sometimes that's based on um, how it is received, you know, there, you can feel the difference. Then yeah. it's, it is easier to manage. It's easier to deal with. It's easier to resist and reject. You know, she's been, you know, arguably one of the best teachers of our generation on that exact thing. I work really, really hard on that too, because I operated out of shame and fear for so long and yeah. I saw it as obedience and right. faithfulness. And so once you start tangling that stuff up in Christianity, Lord have mercy. Anytime I, I get confused because I, uh, that was the system in which I operated for so long. So, you know, just when that's the air that you breathe for just decade after yeah, decade, it yeah. really is some work to undo, to unlearn, to reimagine. And anytime I sort of get wobbly on that, um, cause that old, that old voice is still pretty loud and still yeah. really, really wants to be heard. I always think of it in terms of my daughters, like what I want this for my daughters. And just like that, yeah. it clears up. Like yep. whoop, oh, everything great. just, the, the clouds part. And I see a really clear path of the way I want my daughters to be able to live on this earth, shame-free. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, whatever clarity I'm missing becomes pretty upfront and center. How has that shaped your writing? Because with your new book coming out, I mean, it, your writing, my writing changes every book as well, but your writing changes every book. How has your work on shame and looking to your daughters changed how you write? Uh, I almost can't overstate it. Really? Um, I almost cannot overstate it. And Fierce is uh, the book that I, I needed probably five years ago. Um, this yeah. is the book that um, I've both experienced in my own life. And then also at the same time, I've got these, these daughters coming into this space where I'm thinking, well, I got one chance to pass this on in a way that is healthy and vibrant and whole. And so that, that they're like the little, they're the little faces on my shoulder that I'm uh -huh. thinking about as I'm writing. Uh -huh. But, you know, I've sort of come through that space, which was recognizing all the places in my own life where whatever was really true on the inside of me. So that's either like how I'm created, you know, just the way that I'm wired, or it was um, things that I really wanted or needed, things right. that I believed, or I had like spiritual curiosity around, um, ways that I wanted to relate to people that I, this was all on the inside, but I was absolutely pretending about it all on the outside, just mm. afraid, you know, just yeah, sure. kind of afraid to be integrated that, that if I owned it, like if I owned all these ideas and thoughts and needs and wants and desires and, and even just um, identity pieces inside of sure. me, the cost would be too high. Like, yeah, uh, those are, 
those don't have permission to be mm. liberated from the confines of my mind and my heart. Um, right. And then I found out that they did. So yeah. how yeah. exciting to discover. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it didn't come free for you. It wouldn't fair. come free for anybody. That's right. And so That's I right. have so much empathy for women who are interested in doing that work in doing the work of integration and in doing the work of honesty and ownership and of, of regaining sort of agency over their own life and mind and heart and soul and path um, because yeah. they are correctly worried that this is going to disrupt the little worlds that I have helped build and or tend. And they're not yeah. wrong. They're not wrong. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I think I know I can just say for me, I can speak personally and say, I got to this point, you know, because I built, I built a whole world um, inside a subculture and I was sure. really good at it. I mean, I really was, and I was very much rewarded for it. I am, I was just the right exact kind of person to succeed there. And so I knew, I knew the, I mean, we're not, we know how these things go, you know? Yeah. And I knew the rules. I knew that certain behaviors would be rewarded and that certain behaviors would be punished. Mm -hmm. And I knew that to some degree, if you step too far, the punishment is that you don't get to belong anymore and that, that my, my, my group membership would be revoked. And that's a pretty high cost. Yeah. But I did get to the point where the disintegration inside was so intense where mm -hmm. I felt fraudulent and I, I was lying all the time and where I just decided I was either going to get to hang on to my career as I knew it, or I was yeah. going to get to hang on to my integrity, but I could not have both. Mm -hmm. And right. so I picked my integrity and yeah. I said, the, Lord, we're going to let the chips fall where they may. And I'm going to stand in the storm, no matter how long it lasts and get to the other side of it. And the good news is, oh, I wish I could go back and tell myself this. The yeah. good news is on the other side of that work where you are just you are just telling the truth. You're genuine all the time with all people in all rooms. You're not telling one room one thing and another room another. You're mm -hmm. not one way with these people, another way with these. The freedom. I'm like, I just cannot even believe it. If you would have told me this yeah. five years ago, that I would be living like I'm living right now um, in the community that I'm in, leading out of integrity, absolutely genuine. I would not have believed you. I'm serious. I would not have believed you. And so- what I see in my life, not just mine, but in the women that are in my community, is yeah. that the end result of this kind of work, of this sort of internal ownership and labor, it's not women who are incredibly selfish and they are to the detriment of their friends and families and communities and churches. And that's a trope we've been told. That's just a lie of the patriarchy that like really um, women who have agency over their own lives are dangerous. That's not true. Right. What I right. see is women who are absolutely flourishing, which means our relationships are flourishing. Our careers are, our communities, the places and the people that we are serving, like the trickle down effect of healthy women is so powerful. Like this is what I want for our community. Yeah. So tell me one of the, one of the things I've loved about watching, well, it broke my heart to watch this story and be a part of this story. Mm -hmm. So just know that, and you know that we've talked about that plenty yeah. in our real lives, but on this side of it, you have maintained friendships with so many people who don't believe 
and agree with everything you believe yeah. and agree with. Right. And I think that's one of the things that you are modeling so well to the rest of us and to all of us is like, look, we can all still be friends, right? Because there are people who are listening who don't know, don't know that they're allowed to be friends with the other PTA moms because of some big differences uh -huh. in what they believe. Yeah. And, and so where's the line of like, of how you choose who to be friends with and how you, who you can uh -huh. be friends with, even if people don't agree with everything you believe. I just never believed that. Like I didn't, oh, I never, yeah. ever believed that. I, Oh, just, it's just such a high value for me. It's such a natural way for me to live, to be deeply connected to other people. That's, that's tip top priority for me. And so, you know, my relationships with my colleagues or my other friends in similar work and spaces literally have always run the gamut between mm. the, like even the, as a teenager a hundred percent as a teenager. I wish my mom okay. was on this podcast. She would be able to be like, you should have seen this menagerie of friends <laughs> that Ben had when she was 15 years old. And like, I, I just have always found that incredibly possible. I, yeah. I've not seen, I don't see the roadblock there that I think the rest of the culture sees, but, but I'm not interested in using belonging as a weapon. And I never have been. I don't see that as something I'm going to hold out to you Beautiful. when you are when you are behaving the way I like, and I'm going to yank it back the very minute you step over a line I don't like. I have never found that to be healthy or godly or good, and so to me, that's not one of the negotiables. And 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 I think I'm proof that it's possible. I mean, I yeah. I I have very dear, precious friends right this day, right this second on the right twig of the right limb of the right branch of the tree. And I've got them on the left twig of the left branch of the left, you know, right. and, and everything in between. And for me, I have just found, and I really mean this sincerely. We have the, we have so much in common and, and those common spaces are meaningful and they matter and they're, they're lovely and they count. And yeah. so I'm just, that's not going to be, that's, I'm not going to weaponize uh, friendship and yeah. belonging and connection. I won't do it. Now other people will, and I've had to make my peace with that. Um, yeah. So, which is not, so I say that because it does not mean all of my relationships um, made it, you know, that all of my relationships made the leap, but I would say the ones that had something really beautiful and true at its core, they all did. Yeah. Yeah. I think I struggle sometimes when, and this is like quarantine talking where we're just like going for it. Like we're eating pizza at city house. So <laughs> love it. Um, yes, like, like we are, like people aren't listening. I, it, it is hard for me at times where I feel like we're allowed to be friends with non-Christians, but we're not allowed to be friends with Christians ah, who don't agree with us. It's so crazy. Right. Yes. I, they, like, we're really encouraged to have friends outside of our whole belief system but it is harder to be friends. And I disagree with a lot of people. I don't agree with anyone all the way, including myself. Right, totally. <laughs> I don't agree with anyone all the way. Oh my gosh. And, and so I, I just am, I struggle when I would be encouraged to have some non-believers on my podcast or talk about them in books, but people who don't believe with a certain stream of faith mm, would mm. not be welcome. Totally. How, 
how do we relearn that in our brains and, and with the understanding that there is still absolute truth and, and we still believe that Jesus is the son of God, but how, how do we learn to be friends with people who, who are in our faith system, Mm -hmm. but aren't in agreement with some things that some of us find to be really big, important things. Mm -hmm. Well, you're asking a huge question of a very big and old system. Like this is not new and this has marked spiritual spaces for a really long time, which is, I I find it a little bit more um, punitive in the West. I think Western Christianity is incredibly punitive. And hilariously, since we are literally the last people to the party, we think we've got it all sewn up. We've got it figured out. We are correct. We are right. We here, this generation in the newest country on planet earth have figured right. it all out. And so with our certainty and our arrogance, those are just two flip sides of the same coin yeah. with our certainty, which we love and we don't just love it in religion. We love it across the board. I mean, look at America. Hello. Comes a very clear line in and out. Yeah. You're with us or you're not. You're right or you're wrong. Um, you're good or you're bad. And so these are binary options. We are, you and I have been presented since we were kindergarten um, yeah. inside of our faith spaces. And we know it. I mean, I can go back and trace that thread throughout my whole life when people were in and out. And so I think you're, you're asking to challenge something that is incredibly entrenched. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a good question. And I think it's really good work. But anybody who's willing to do it, who is willing to sort of reach across and grab hands and hang on to connection across different doctrines or um, different interpretations or just whatever the thing is. I mean, even different denominations, you know, that can be very, very persnickety. You're going to have to be prepared to pay the cost because your community has been conditioned to shame you and threaten your belonging if you Mm. do not follow this rule. And so it's going to require believers of courage to say, at whatever cost, I reject this invented rule that, Mm. that you get to tell me who I can love and be friends with and be connected with and even learn from. Like, whoever, you know, it's just crazy. It's crazy making. So here's what I would want to say. One thing I've learned because of course I grew up in that exact paradigm um, and fear is an incredibly useful tool right. to scare you into following the rules. Right. But on, if you can give yourself permission to live in that mm. way where you say that I, these aren't my boundaries and I will maintain beautiful friendships and relationships with people um, mm. outside of this construct, there is an incredible community out here doing that. Like mm-hmm. I thought what I knew was all there was, cause that's all I'd ever known. But on the other side of that, where you just lay that down and say, that's not, I'm not going to operate my life like that. Oh my gosh. What a beautiful community of people that value spiritual curiosity, which is not yeah. a value inside yeah. the original system and yeah. asking good questions and saying, tell me like more about your experience or, and just listening. And, and it's not a, it, it's a sort of a space of learning and, and perspective. And, and then even then we'll sometimes get to the end of the thing and go, okay, well, I, 
I see that I still don't agree with you, but thanks for sharing. Yeah, um, thanks for sharing. And yeah, I bet like, we both like the same thing at Taco Bell. Yeah, like that's interesting. Thanks for telling me more about like kind of how you came to that. And yeah, and so I, one of the chapters in Fierce is called I Value Spiritual Curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot about this as I kind of looked backwards at the Jewish community and specific, even all the way to today, where spiritual curiosity is a pretty high value. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know they asked their kids, what what question did you ask today? What's the best question you asked today? That's what yeah. Jewish families. Yeah. I just Isn't love that. Isn't that great? Isn't yeah. that so great? I was raised opposite of that. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. did not ask questions. We were, those were not allowed and they were subtly or overtly shamed and made, you were made to feel disobedient or unfaithful, you know? And so I think what a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful possibility to re-engage spiritual curiosity, to hold yeah. things loosely and, and, and say, what is there to learn here? Like, what is there more to see? What have I never heard or learned or experienced? Or yeah. anyway, I'm just finding that a wonderful way to live. It feels very, yeah. very liberating. And I'll be frank with you, Annie. Like for me, saying yes to that actually gave me back my faith. I mean, I had kind of reached a point oh, where I'm wow. like, I don't want this. Like, I don't want these people. I don't want this yeah. system. I don't want all these men who are telling everybody else what they can and cannot contribute to the body of Christ. Um, I don't want this patriarchy. I don't want this white supremacy. Like, I don't want any of it. I don't want this. I don't believe this. I think this is not true and not good and not real. And so I, I, a sense of spiritual curiosity where God just got to be God again, and we just got to be people and belonging was no longer a weapon. I'm like, there's my faith. Like there's my Jesus. That's a great sentence. Belonging is no longer a weapon. I mean, I just, yes, that, that's, that matters to me. I think that's beautiful. I know it does. And you're good at this. You're really good at this. You have, you have a lot of relationships in a lot of different buckets and a lot of different zip codes. And I, I see that in you. And I think that leadership matters right now. It means something. And cause Annie, you know, this, you and I both know this, we may operate out of some old rules right now, but you know, this next generation, they're not going to have it. Like they're yeah, not going to yeah. have it. I'm telling you, I'm raising them. I yep. know them. I see them. I lead them. So do you. They are coming up in a different way. And so I think we, it behooves us right now, our age group, to really think about um, the forms that we grew up in and imagine that it's time for a new wineskin. And we are either going to be granted permission to speak into the next generation or they're going to leave us behind. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- that wineskin thing has been important to us. Cause I think, I think I've, you've seen this, but our church got destroyed by a tornado the, the week before coronavirus. Yeah. And one of the things we've been talking about so much is we didn't know how much we would grieve old wineskins. Mm. We knew we had new wine. We didn't know we would grieve losing old wineskins. That's it. And, but what the scripture says is that if you put the new wine in old wineskins, you lose both. Mm. It breaks open and spills until you lose sure both. Does. And that just matters to me. Yeah, it just matters to me. And w- when we're thinking about the next generation and what, and even my friends who are listening right now that are our ages and older, mm-hmm. the thing I just try to say a lot and want to say is like, if you don't want to be friends with someone, that's fine. But trust that I 
do want to be friends mm-hmm. with them or yeah. don't, can't we trust each other's spirituality That's enough good. to go like, I don't have to agree with you, but I bet you're reading the Bible That's great. and, and we're, we can end up on different places and I'm still going to believe that this is true. And I'm still going to say what I find to be true and just love everyone else anyway. Yeah. Right. Who's yeah. that says that Bob or is it, um, who it's says love anyway? Definitely no, sounds it's, like a Bob. It's Jeremy Courtney. Oh, Jeremy Courtney. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Love anyway. Preemptive. Love anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think the sense of this impulse to take ownership over everybody else's spiritual discern- discernment is not a good impulse. Yeah, but I feel it. I feel it too of going, wait, 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 wait. But what if, what, what if? I mean, I feel it. Yeah. Do you no, feel I, it? I, I 100% feel it, but I, I generally feel it when what I am observing um, in somebody else's either theology or practice, however you want to parse that out to my eyes, to my observation feels like it is causing a lot of harm. So that is when I also just when jump right. Love. Yeah. When I, when I, that's when I jump right into like judge and jury. Um, and so yeah, <laughs> don't hear me say, I don't have that impulse. percent do. I know it's just, it's really, really hard. And I think this is why we can look back at scripture in all the ways it meanders through story and allegory and history and poetry and just see this like very steady through line of love as the measuring stick. I think that's why, yeah. because yeah. we have this text that is expected to like serve Christ followers throughout every generation and every culture and every country. I mean, it's just feels impossible, frankly. And so I think this, like this, this through line of love is a really, really good standard for us to Mm -hmm. constantly check everything against. I mean, literally everything, every interpretation, every experience, every new, every understanding, every hermeneutic. And, and we can, if we're not sure we can look, look out with our eyes and see it bear out on actual people. It's Mm -hmm. pretty good Mm -hmm. indicator. I mean, there's a reason Jesus said, love God first and then love other people. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, well, if you just don't know what else to do. <laughs> like yeah. if you're trying to figure out which rules to follow, just try yeah. these two on. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And if you look across at a neighbor and you don't know how to treat them, just start there. Yeah. Don't, you don't have to give up what you believe, but start there. Yep. Totally. hundred percent. Just got, Yeah. We got to figure. Okay. Listen, here's the thing that we haven't gotten to that I think we saved for YouTube because I, I need to look at your face when we're talking about Hamilton. Oh my gosh. Can we do oh, that Annie. on YouTube? Okay. Oh, Annie. oh yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. We're going to do that next. We're going to do five <laughs> minutes on YouTube about how we feel about Hamilton. Because, oh my gosh. This is so exciting. Because if there's one thing that has tied our nation together <laughs> at, dare I say our world. It is Lynn Manuel Miranda. It sure is. If there is one baseline after love God and love other people that we can all meet on, it is dear Theodosia. I mean, we're just going to, okay. Where's the lie? I know. My gosh. My gosh. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, (laughs) Jen, what's your actual book release date? Will you remind me? It comes out April 21st, so three weeks good. from today. So it comes out tomorrow compared yeah. to when this podcast comes out. Perfect. Oh, that's right. Oh, yay. Yeah. Oh, good. The day before. Yeah. What is it like to release a book in the middle of this? I don't recommend it. What do you... <laughs> I, I don't recommend it. I... <laughs> I wouldn't... Get, when you write the book about how to survive the pandemic yeah. the next 700 yeah. years, you will yeah. say, don't release really Yeah, I just... If you can. If you can help it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, because I've... I've written like the book of my life. 
but then yeah. also the world's burning down. And so, right. yeah, it's just this, it's this very strange spot to be in, to be like, I know for a fact this book is going to serve you. And also I sat in a bathtub with wine today. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I've released all outcomes. That's it. I just, I, yeah. you know, as a three, that's the work of my life. And so right. I, <laughs> I opened my hand to that and went, nope, my job is to serve well. My job is to do good work. My job is to tell the truth. Uh, my job is to be a leader of integrity. That's it. Those are the only marks yeah. I can hit. Yeah. And so it comes out tomorrow and we're just going to believe, I mean, as our friend Christine Kane says, God puts books in hands. Oh, okay. See, so, I like that mantra. I just, I'm going to yeah. write that down right now. Yes, it feels, it feels better. <laughs> That's it. But yeah, I, I have felt for y'all, Kelsey Ballerini had an yes. album come out during all this as well. Yes. And watching her Insta stories where she's like in a robe with no makeup on and was like, <laughs> supposed to be a melon today, but what can you do? And you're just like, God bless all of y'all who so have real. things that you've put so many, I mean, it's, you yeah. know, a podcast we record in the middle of this is an hour of our time. A That's book right. is months, Two years. if not years yeah. of your time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And as you so, know, it's not just you, it's your team. And yes. so I always have this deep sense of responsibility to everybody that I work with and who work for me and, and like everybody has put their hand to this for a couple of years. Yeah. And so yeah. I just, you know, it's just a strange time. There's, there's this like little losses everywhere. And Again, hardship Olympics um, are not a good idea, yeah. but uh, but still, I'm, I'm still give you a gold proud. medal today. I know, yeah. I know, but yeah. I'm still going to give you a gold medal today. Thank you. I've received it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about besides Hamilton? Uh, which we're moving Hamilton over to YouTube and it's going to be yeah. a good move. Okay, great. Okay. So the last question we always ask, well, for starters, I want to say publicly that I say to you privately, I love you and I love, I love being you your too. friend. Thank and you. I am really thankful uh, for the ways you teach me and the ways you let me believe what I believe. Mm, and I both are too. true. So oh, thank you for so that. Great. Thanks for having I me really on today. I really appreciate that. Of course. Okay. So the last question, because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me yeah. what you do for fun. Oh, well, that's, isn't that cute right now? <laughs> <So Right. cute. laughs> okay. Let's see. For fun right now, and this does not sound fun. And I, I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge that in advance, uh-huh. but uh-huh. I've discovered I've got my senior in college here right now. So he's supposed to be finishing his last yeah. year at Texas tech. And um, so he is full of disappointment, but I have discovered something I never knew about him, which he is a puzzle savant. And so he and I are sitting at the table doing really complicated puzzles and we're both so achievement oriented that we're not leaving until it's finished. So that oh, means we're right. sitting like four hours at the table doing puzzles and it's just cute. It's just cute. Yeah, I just, it's, just this, cute. it's cute. I love him. And I didn't ever expect to have extended time with him. Maybe again, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm like, Oh, I'm going to try to enjoy this time with this grown man who is now stuck into the house with his parents. So God yeah. bless. But anyway, doing so puzzles. Gavin and I are doing puzzles and that is like, that's my version of fun right now. <laughs> and you just, I just need you. I'm going to send you this video. One of my dearest friends named Kelly is a super accomplished, brilliant woman who cannot find the straight edges of a puzzle. Oh, bless. And she laughs about it and we all laugh about it. Like she works, she's done a corner of a puzzle so far in this quarantine because her brain just does not, she can't identify straight edges. How is that possible? I don't know what to say to that. I am so tickled. It's the funny, it really is the funniest because she'll just be like, I mean, is this one? And we're like, 
No. no. <laughs> All four sides have a have an empty spot or a like a knob or a non-knob. Oh, right? And like, what about this one? Because it looks crooked. Is it straight? And we're like, yeah, that's straight. I mean, it is. Oh, that's it's, amazing. It's really a that's, gift. It's an actual gift to right know now. someone yeah. who is fully able in all of her life to live a very good life, except find straight edges of a puzzle. Oh, Lord. All right. Let's hop over to YouTube and, and we'll talk about Hamilton. Love right you, friend. On. Thank you. Oh, friends, don't you love her? I'm telling you. Hey, listen, we saved a extended conversation about Hamilton for YouTube. So make sure you head over to youtube.com slash Annie F Downs TSF. That sounds fun. Annie F Downs TSF and watch Jen and I discuss the ins and outs of Hamilton. And yeah, for sure. I sang a part, my very favorite part of the whole show. So yeah, she talked me into that. That's what she does, man. I love Jen Hatmaker. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Remember her new book is called Fierce, Free and Full of Fire releases tomorrow. Hey, make sure you give her a follow on Instagram, on Facebook. Sign up to be one of her EFs, one of her email friends. You can find her everywhere. She is Jen Hatmaker. Tell her thanks for being on the show. Hey, before we go, I want to tell you about our partner, IJM. International Justice Mission is the largest anti-slavery organization in the world. They work to rescue people out of slavery and sex trafficking and walk with survivors until they are restored and thriving in freedom. It's really been IJM's special privilege, and we feel the same getting to partner with them here and in the TSF Quarantine shows to share the brightest stories of hope with the world and to remind us all on the other side of tragedy, there is hope. And this is one of those stories. This story from IJM is about one family in South Asia who waited 15 years before they were freed from slavery. It's insane how this happened. They were living in poverty and two men came to their village and offered them work on a farm and a cash loan to relocate. And so they took it. And when they began to working, the interest on the loan began accruing. Okay, get this. So the initial loan was about 130 US dollars and it ballooned to $15,000. Not only were the families paid next to nothing, they were abused and poorly fed and slept outside in tents made of old tarps. And it was brutal. And when IJM and local authorities heard about the abuse, they mobilized and planned a rescue operation. But when they arrived, the men and women were afraid to speak up, which I totally get. But fortunately, one of the authorities, a leader of the local Human Rights Commission, empathized with the laborers and helped calm them down and built the trust necessary to empower them to speak up and share the reality of the situation with the police. And when they did, the police arrested the men who'd been holding these families as slaves and they were set free. A total of 50 people, including 20 children, some of whom were born at the farm. This story really shows us that even when like one person with authority aligns their power with the people in need, real life-changing transformation can happen. And listen, here, this is crazy. Are you ready? The rescue happened on March 13th, like one month ago. Just think about it. Like five weeks ago, each of those 50 people were living in slavery and today they are all free. Isn't that incredible? Listen, take a minute today and read more of these stories of hope and be encouraged. Go to IJM.org slash hope with us. All right, friends, if you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, my house, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And I think that's it for today. Stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. And we'll see you back here on Thursday with another one of my favorite women, Joe Saxton. We'll see you back here on Thursday. Y'all have a great week.